0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Victory Baptist Church. At Victory, we work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And now, here's this week's sermon from Pastor Terry Green. Once upon a time, there was a prince who was seeking his one true love. And when he found her, his eyes were filled with her beauty. His hands trembled with her magnetism. His lips yearned to kiss hers. And his heart was overwhelmed with joy. Of course, she immediately recognized him as her Prince Charming. And he was the fulfillment of her own dream for love. And they both lived in a fairy tale that is not reality (laughs) that's not the way love works never has never will now we have cheapened love in our culture we've made it look silly we've made look people don't really even understand what love means we've made it tweetable we've printed it on cards and I think Valentine's Day was generated by the card company to try and sell more, but too many people believe in the Hollywood fantasy of an intense attraction equals love. But that's not the truth. Now, let me tell you something about the Hollywood version of love, right? It's not working in Hollywood. It's not. Uh, In Hollywood, divorces are rampant, affairs are common, and so-called star-crossed lovers end up in bitter custody disputes. A few years ago, a young pop star got married, and then 55 hours later had it annulled. And people said, why'd you do that? She said, I just wanted to know what it was like to be married. Sadly, she still has no clue. But many people still believe this Hollywood fairy tale. They think that great attraction is enough. And they build relationships based only on attraction. And when you see that person, and and you get eye contact with them. Right? That's how it was for for Rick. He just got eye contact with her. And wow, he knew she was the one. Right? Right? Or you touch their hand and just an accidental bump. You know, you're not holding hands yet. You're just kind of bumping in and, oh, you get a, a jolt of magnetism or electricity or, oh, you just felt it. And when you share true love's kiss, it's just bliss, right? Right? It's going to change your life because true love can overcome everything. It it includes overcoming being in a coma for years. It overcomes long-term amnesia. Cross-cultural and personal issues never show up once you have true love. I got to tell you, I I do vividly remember my my first kiss with Kathy. And, And she heard music when we kissed because we were on her parents front porch and when i bent to kiss her my big thick head thunked into their wind chime <laughs> it was such a romantic moment <laughs> and she felt true love's kiss and we actually were snickering when we had that first kiss but. Uh, some people believe that when you meet that special someone, you will instinctively trust them. And you will, you will know that you can trust them completely before you even get to know them. But scripture gives an entirely different view of love. You come to trust each other, and then true love grows after you learn to trust each other. And trust comes first and trust must be earned. Attraction is cheap. In fact, I mean, you know, there's what, how many people on planet Earth? Seven and a half billion people and so so if you're young, say, say you're a teenager or a young adult and, and then probably there's five billion, or I'm sorry, there's probably two and a half billion people on planet Earth in your age range now, when you get to be my age, there's less people, right? You know? uh, and, it, and it gets worse as you get older. But, but there's a lot of teenagers and young adults in the world. And so probably if there's a couple billion, you could probably be attracted to you know a couple hundred million of them. Attraction is not enough. You need more than attraction. So we're doing a series called Mission Possible. Uh, we're, we're focusing on what God wants to see in our hearts and in our lives. And last week we focused on making decisions when we face circumstances where two or more of our values don't line up. We can't follow both at the same time. We used a couple of illustrations. You remember the story It's a, a little boy sitting in a chair and his sister's about to fall down the stairs. Well, he values obeying his mother, hopefully, all boys should. And girls do. And, and then, but he also values taking care of and meeting the need of his younger sister. So he has to do something. And so I ended the message last week with this challenge to be wise, to use discernment, and to show love all the time to all the people that God brings in your path. And so this week we're going to really focus on that. It's Valentine's Day. So your mission is to love the people that God brings into your path, that God puts in your journey. You're going to show love. Now, y- do you notice that p- picture's a little fuzzy? I noticed a couple of you were taking off your glass, you know, putting them back on. No, the truth is I, we made it fuzzy on purpose because we want you, when you look at that picture, when you look at that slide... We want you to think about the people you see that you should show love to. And you know what? Kathy and I live in the same house. It's it's a good deal. We've been doing that for 40 years. And you know what? She sees people I don't. And some days I see people she doesn't. Love the people God puts in your path. So what does love look like? Do you have a Bible? You know, the, the Bible can shed a lot of light on your theology. <laughs> if you really want to know what love looks like, let's, let's look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're only going to read a few of these verses. We're going to start in verse 4, and we're going to read down to the beginning of verse 8. Now, verse 8 says, love never fails. All right, that's all we're going to read from verse 8, because he goes on to, talk about a different teaching and how the prophecies were going to stop and all those things and and when we had the completed revelation of God's Word. So when we get to verse 8, you're going to say it. All of us are going to say, love never fails when we get there, okay? So listen along as I read verses 4 through 7. Love suffers long. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's the sparks, the romance, the joy? Love suffers. Suffers long. And is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Love Bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Say it with me. Love never fails. Love never fails. So when we read the biblical description of love and we look at that, you know what we find? We don't find that love is ooey-gooey emotion. Love is tough. And love is gritty. And love is tenacious. Love is less about cards and flowers and feelings and more about a commitment of the heart. It's less about uh, emotions and more about serving and sacrificing for one another. True love is the love of the father for the prodigal son. True love is the love of our heavenly father who gave his son to save our souls. I love that story Megan shared earlier. Let me tell you a true, the real true love story. God so loved the world. And, and God's love. And that's what love looks like. So here's some things that we need to put in our hearts about love. We're going to do a contrast. What love is not and then what love is. And there's notes in the bulletin for you to jot this down. And, and uh, if you don't have one a bulletin with you. You know, you can move to the front row. There's three. We're sitting right there. And and you could make yourself at home there. Uh, But uh, love, first of all, loving someone does not mean you'll always have passionate feelings. Love means you'll be patient and persistent even when you don't feel passionate. Now, I think if you're planning to get married, you should feel a little passionate. If you don't, that's maybe not a good sign. But if all you have is passion, that's not a good sign either. True love includes not only passion, but patience and persistence. Shortly after we moved to Texas, Kathy and I were moving there to attend Bible school. And uh, ironically, I, I... had a health issue. I developed an allergy to caffeine and we figured it out that Kathy's the one who figured it out and, and then the doctors tested and sure enough she was right and and you know I developed a severe allergy to caffeine so the last time I ate a piece of chocolate was October 1983 right you guys should have gone Oh, right I mean that's sad right? but Liz, when we first moved there uh, I got a job and we had a baby. Jessica was about eight months old, uh, seven, seven and a half months old when he moved there. And then it took me a little bit to get the job. And, and so I had to go to work every day. And Kathy got sick. She had a really bad case. It was the flu first, right? And she got the flu really bad. And, and she was sick for quite a while, uh, a couple of weeks, really sick. And then when she got over the flu, she finally felt like she could eat something. She got food poisoning. And so it was a miserable five or six weeks for her. And you know, when I came home from work, she wasn't standing at the door to greet me with a kiss and welcome me home. She was just grateful that I took over the child care and the house duties for a couple hours so she could rest. And there's times when you are very much in love with somebody, but the passion is not right there. That's okay. Be patient and persistent. I've heard men say, a couple of different men say, well, they just fell out of love with their wife. So they divorced her and then married someone they felt more passion and attraction for. Well, that's not what the Bible says to do. The Bible says when you're having a little difficulty in your marriage, show more love do loving actions, then maybe the passion will come. Now, let me clarify here that there are times when getting a divorce is the right thing. When somebody has violated the marriage vows and, and they refuse to repent, then God divorced Israel, right? So divorce cannot be the wrong thing every time. But you realize in our culture, more than half of the people married get a divorce? And do you realize that among Christians... The percentage is the same. Oh, I could name several people in this room, believers who love God who've been divorced, who love God before they were divorced, love God going through their divorce, love God now, but their spouse didn't. Okay? I'm not condemning those who've been divorced. But if you're having a hard time in your marriage and that's all it is, double down on the good stuff. Do a little more serving and sacrificing. And and your heart will come along. In fact, the scriptures teach that your heart chases treasure, right? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. So your heart is going to chase that treasure. So if you decide you're going to treasure that relationship and do what you can to make it special, then your heart's going to end up going there. But if you just ignore it, it's not so if both people choose to obey God any relationship can be improved only if both people do if both people choose to obey God any relationship can be improved so be patient and persistent even when you don't feel passionate that's what love does so in your bulletin there's some questions there too And here's the first question. How can I show more patience with blank? The questions are not in the bulletin. All right. That's okay. I haven't actually looked at the bulletin in case you didn't notice. All right. How can I show more patience with and then a blank? Now, here's the the deal. Don't just write some name there. You can write a name. And then maybe write something that you would like to work on to show more patience. If the person's sitting right beside you, write it in shorthand so they can't read it. Or or Greek, that would work. But listen, this is a serious question. Love is patient. Love is kind. How how can I show more patience with this person? Now, how many of you can think of somebody in your life who at some point in 2021 irritated you a little bit? Might not have been somebody you even know their name. They were just somebody out there in public and they irritated you just just a little bit. Can any of you think of somebody like that? Now, Now, think of what you could do to be more patient if you bump into that person again. That's what love does. Here's the second thing. Loving someone does not mean you never get frustrated. I love this picture. Mom and daughter sitting there a little irritated with each other but at least they're sitting in the same room. Uh, Love does not mean you never get frustrated. But it means that when you get frustrated, you will work to be patient and kind. Now, to be honest with you, I did a, not a very good job of this when I was a young dad. If I got irritated with the kids, I growled. And in fact, there were times when, you know, because I'm diabetic and you know I got to eat, and if I get my sugar off a little bit, there's times I'd come home from work and and the, Kathy would be getting dinner going, and it'd be a while before we could eat, and the kids would tell her, Mom, feed the bear. <laughs> and I remember one time, my I probably shared this here before, but my oldest daughter, Jess, uh, was consoling Nathan because I had yelled at Nathan. Uh, let me tell you something. You should never yell at a little kid unless what they're doing is very dangerous and they need to stop. You shouldn't do it. I came to that conclusion a little bit late in life. I should have had that understanding before I had little kids. And so I yelled at Nathan. And of course he went running crying because big growly bear yelling at the little cub and he went running away. And then I heard Jessica. I don't remember whether I heard her or Kathy heard it and told me about it. But anyway, Jessica's consoling Nathan. And she's hugging her little brother and making him feel better. And she said, don't worry, Nathan. That's just your big, loud dad. You'll get used to it. But you're not going to like it. (laughs) See, when you feel frustrated, if you love, you work to be more patient and more kind. Every couple has had problems. Every one. Every parent has had a time when they felt frustrated with their kids. And every kid has had a time when they felt frustrated with their parents. But we show love. Life is not a fortune cookie. Life includes big problems and big difficulties and hard decisions. And those who... Love, get past the problems and get beyond the circumstances, and they allow the love to mature because they don't stop when life gets difficult. What does verse 4 say? Love blank long. Suffers long. All right. If you're married here today, you can turn to the one you're married to and say, I'm still happy to be suffering with you, babe. You can go ahead and say that. What does verse 7 say about love? Bears all things. Endures all things. All right, young girls, just play. Your life is not a princess movie you're going to have struggles. There is never going to be a happily ever after till heaven. Oh, then we get the happily ever after, big time. But in this life, love includes difficulties and trials and even beautiful roses have thorns. That's life on earth post Garden of Eden. The thorns and stickers didn't come up till after man sinned. So, here's another question. That's not in your bulletin. What kind thing can I do to help? And then a name that you fill in the blank. What kind thing can I do to help? So, I'm I'm not saying this is the reality, because I think right now, Kathy and I have a very good relationship, and... But let's just picture that tomorrow she was really frustrated with me. Okay? I know this is really hard for you to imagine her being frustrated with me, right? I mean, you know, just say it. All right, just picture that she, she feels frustrated with me. So what would be a kind thing she could do to minister to me to show love to me, even though she felt a little frustrated? Good for you. <laughs> Yeah, and, and while she's doing the cooking for me, not put in like Brussels sprouts or something like that, you know, <laughs> put in the good stuff. Uh, yeah. You you can think of actions of love, can't you? I mean, there's little things, like I am not a guy that leaves my clothes around. I, I pick up my clothes. I, I, I don't know why people would throw dirty clothes on the floor when you have a hamper. But anyway, uh, so... But but let's just say that I left a pair of socks out. Well, she could yell at me over it. Or she could, you know, grab tongs and a mask so she doesn't have and you know put them in the hamper. You, you, you can think of things to do to show love. So do it. But, well, you know, Teresa doesn't feel like showing love to Ben right now. Well, that's when you need to do it the most. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> oh. You know, that we need to show love. And, and real love does. Real love, when you get frustrated, you work to be more patient and more kind. Because that's what love is. Love is patience. It is kind. All right, here's number three. Loving someone does not mean that you try and control them. Love means that you support them to pursue their own best path. Now, uh, years ago, my mother-in-law was talking with another lady, and they were both adult women with adult children. And the other lady asked my mother-in-law, how do you get your adult children to obey you? And my mother-in-law said, it's really quite simple. I don't even try. They're adults. We have a different relationship now. I'm not an authority in their life. Now, Savannah's a legal adult now. But you know what? When she's here in Casa Grande, her folks could still have house rules, couldn't they? But when she goes up to the college, can her folks have house rules for when she's staying up in her dorm in the college? No. See, sometimes people want to control other people. Sometimes wealthy parents use money to control their kids. Sometimes Christian parents use spiritual language to try and control their kids. Years ago, I was speaking at youth camp. I always loved speaking at camp. And uh, I was speaking at camp, and and, uh, this young lady, she was a 17-year-old Christian girl. And so I had never met her before. Maybe I had met her before, but I had never, I didn't know her parents. Well, her parents were there. I knew her first name. If you've been around any length like of time, you know I struggle with names sometimes, and uh, I, I, I can remember numbers a lot more easily than I can names, and so like in track we keep attendance by first name. There, every every record I have has first name first, then last name, because I can remember the first name, and I can't always remember the last name, and so this girl I knew her first name. I don't think I'd ever heard her last name, or if I had, you know, it just didn't stick. And so her parents are there working on the camp staff. And at camp, we had this Q&A time where the kids, I was the speaker. And so the kids could then ask me anything, any question they wanted. And so this girl says, I'm 17 years old and I really want to be a cop. I want to be a police officer. When I become an adult, that's my dream. I want to help people. I want to serve. And I really feel like this is what God wants me to do. But my parents are very strongly against it. They have been pressuring me and cajoling me and and fussing at me, trying to manipulate me to not pursue what I think God would want me to do. What do you think I should do? I didn't know the parents were there, but if I had, I I might have been a little more polite about it, but it would have said the same thing. I said, if you're 17, you very soon will be an adult, and if you honestly believe that's what God wants you to do, you obey God, and your parents can live with the consequences. Well, then her parents wanted to meet me. Well, God gives people, godly parents, to help guide them. And I said, yes. And your job of guiding them is almost over. And if you alienate her from following what she honestly believes is God's plan for her life, you are hurting her spiritually. Now, none of my daughters were cops. None of them went in the military, although Megan would have made a great Marine. But, but they, they didn't pursue that. But, but listen, you can't control people. You can't force them to follow your map or your path. And her parents were very angry with me when I said she should obey God regardless of what her parents said. Bill and Faye have kids who live in another part of the world. They don't get to see them very often. I know parents who when a kid said, I feel called to the mission field, the parents have strongly tried to talk them out of it. Do you think the souls over there are of more value than the souls here? You could be here. You could serve here. You could be close. Never hinder your kids from following God's leading. Now, if they're not following the Bible, okay, you can speak into it. But when they're an adult, you speak cautiously and carefully and you make suggestions, not dictates. But verse, verse 4 says, love is kind. Verse 5 says, love does not seek its own. Verse 7 says, love believes all things, that loving people trust people. So you cannot force your will on somebody and call it love. You know, Lucas, I'm just making your life miserable because I love you. That doesn't work, does it? So true love means that you want what God wants and you support others when they're seeking to follow God. And you encourage them to have the answer of a good conscience before God just like the scripture says. So, here's a question. How can I support? It's, on my paper, it's a longer line. How can I support these people to follow God's leading in their life? How can I support them? Now, What would you like them to do? What would they like to do? Those may not match up. Now, when you're husband and wife, you should try and resolve those things. A wife shouldn't say to her husband, I just answer to God, not you, because that's not true. When you're married, you answer to God and each other. You submit to one another and submit to God together. That's what Ephesians 5 says. But in most cases, we're not dealing in the husband-wife. We're dealing with other people, and you know, I remember uh, years ago. Uh, I, before I came to this church, uh, we knew that God was moving us to a new location. We just didn't know where, and so I preached in several different churches. Uh, and I was in a couple of churches in California. And I was in a couple of churches in West Texas. I was in a church in New Mexico. I was in a church in Georgia, right? And uh, in in these churches, we we preached and we talked and, and we listened. And then in all of those cases, I felt like that wasn't God's plan for us. That wasn't where he was going to send us. And, you know, I had... One person involved in the Georgia ministry and one person involved, well, two people in two different churches in California get mad at me because they knew it was God's will for me to go there and I was denying God. Well, it's interesting that they both knew it was God's will for me to go there when there and there were like 3,500 miles apart. And so, you know what Kathy and I did, we just prayed, said, Lord, we'll go wherever you want us to go. And then go, the Lord led us to Arizona before we even heard from this church. I remember sharing with Kathy, that I felt like God was going to lead us to Arizona, which was a blessing for us. We had family in Arizona and we love Arizona. It's the greatest state in the history of the world, right? Uh, and, and so I, I, I just, you know, I wasn't at all opposed. I would have been willing to go to California. You know, if God called me twice, <laughs> right? Uh, but, but I was willing to go wherever the Lord specifically led us to go. And there was a church in Kansas that we had talked to. And, and, but we really felt it would be Arizona. And then we heard from this church. And then we really felt like this was the place. And that was before we even candidated, officially candidated here. We really felt like God was leading us here. And then when the church called us, that was the affirmation of what God was doing. And, and so we immediately accepted the call. And I still remember Norm Shiley, who was chairman of the deacons at the time. And Norm said, we were on the phone and I accepted the call. And he said, okay, do you want to know what the salary is? And I said, oh, sure, you will need that for planning. I said, but you got to understand my job is to obey God and your job is to obey God so God tells the church to provide for the pastor it doesn't tell the pastor to beg that provision and so that's your job you do yours I'll do mine and you know we, when we came here it was the affirmation of what God was doing in this church and in our lives and it was a good fit so far so good you know it's only been 22 years but you know it might work out so so listen, you don't know what God's doing in other people's hearts and lives. So what do you do when you feel like they're making a bad call? The first thing you do is pray. I don't know who said that, but that's right. The first thing you do is pray. And then the second thing you can do is tell them. From my perspective, from what I see... I want to encourage you to think about this. And then the third thing you do is pray and leave it with God. Nobody wants to hear they're making a bad decision, even if they are. But if you you pray about it, you make a suggestion, and then you pray about it and leave it with God, and it's okay to keep praying about it, but it's not okay to keep suggesting. Get it out there so they can think about it and then you leave it with God to bring the conviction. And you know, in little things, years ago we were going to make a change in our Awana schedule and I wasn't regularly serving in a spot in Awana at that time. I was uh, a floater. I was in and out of different clubs and I was here most Awana nights and but I, I wasn't serving like I do in Trek club and have been for a dozen years but... But when, when we first started in there, um, they, they made this, they're going to try this situation. I don't even remember what my idea was. But the people, that, they came up with a different idea. Well, I mean, obviously it was not as good as mine, right? That's how, that's how we think, right? And so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show love and I'm going to say, whatever you guys think, that's what we're going to do. And then when that doesn't work out and they come crawling back to me, then I will share my wisdom with them. Okay, I didn't really have that thought process. But, you know, we kind of think that way sometimes. And guess what? It worked great. I don't even know what the problem was at the time or what my alternate solution was. But I do know we're still doing it that way. Because it worked great. So you are not God's answer person. You are not God's answer person for your own life. The Holy Spirit is. So you got to seek God and encourage people to seek God. And parents, encourage your kids to become dependent on God, not on you for wisdom or money. Encourage them to become dependent on God. All right, here's the last thing. Loving someone does not mean you can show love with only words and gifts. Love means you show it by the consistency of your actions. How many of you really do not like getting gifts of any kind, any time? Right. Two liars in the church. <laughs> Two hands went up. We enjoy getting gifts, don't we? But if somebody says they love you, and all they do is ever give gifts? That doesn't feel good. Like, there are men who uh, work too much to provide for their family. You know, they're doing it for their family, but their family doesn't ever see them. The kids would rather spend some time with dad than enjoy the stuff dad buys with the extra money he makes because he works so much. So you need to have a consistency in your actions. Just listen again. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. The consistency of your actions is what shows your love. What 1 John 3.18, paraphrasing that, he said, don't just show love with your words, but consistently and truthfully show love by your actions. I remember when we were kids, my uh, brothers and I were not nice kids. And I remember every Mother's Day, Asking mom what she wanted for Mother's Day. And every year mom said the same thing. Can you guess what it was? I just want you all to get along and be kind to each other all day long. Do you know what our answer always was? Mom, can't we just buy you something? (laughs) My brothers and I fought a lot. It's wrong. It's sinful. That's what we did. Guys, if you're fighting with your siblings a lot, you need to get right with God and stop it. So here's the last big question. Do my actions show that I love? Do my actions show that I love? I love this picture. It looks like grandma. I mean, she just got a sweet, loving look toward that little one. Do your actions Show love. And maybe you have a relationship, an issue that's a little strained, like Ben's will be after church when Teresa gets a hold of (laughs) him. No, maybe maybe you have a a strain, a, a situation. So do my actions show that I love that person? Maybe it's on the job. There's a coworker. And hey, you know, sometimes some people intentionally try and drive Christians nuts. Uh, and they find out you're a believer, and they try and drive you nuts, what they want you to do is blow your testimony so they can feel better about themselves. And you have to consistently show love. There was a story told of a a preacher that I heard, and before Christ, he was uh, a gangbanger and uh, very involved in some really ungodly stuff. And some Christians started really praying for him and reaching out to him. And this Christian would pop up and tell him, Jesus loves you. Drove the guy crazy. And one day, this guy couldn't stand it anymore. And so he just pummeled this guy, punching him and slugging him and smashing him in the face and breaking his nose and busting some teeth. And once he was down on the ground and bleeding, he kicked him until he got all of his rage out. And he's standing over this guy and says, What do you say now? And this Christian lying on the ground spits out the tooth that got broken with blood running down his lip and from his nose, looks up at this guy and says, Jesus loves you, and I do too. And this gangbanger went off in a rage. And then he got thinking about it. And then he repented. And then he went back to this guy and said, how can I find something that I believe in as much as you believe in Jesus? And he became a Christian and a preacher of the gospel. If you keep showing love, it may not change their heart, but it will please your Father's heart. Your Heavenly Father will be proud of you. When you show love. So we have this mission possible. We can do this. And did you know that God is passionate about relationships? In fact, God himself is in relationship. Father, Spirit, Son, in perfect harmony. God is passionate about our relationships. And he wants us to show his love. He wants you to have relationships that will bless and enrich your life and the lives of people around you. So our mission is to love the people God puts in our path. Love those people. I've got to tell you, I know some Christians do a great job of loving the people on the foreign mission field. And they give to support missions. And I think you should. We, we have a bunch of missionaries on our map back there. Give to support missions. That's a great thing to do. But they give to support missions and they pray for missions. But they're short and grumpy with everybody they live next to or with. God wants you to show His love and share His truth with everybody. All the people. brings in a path you do what Christ did you show love even toward your enemies you showed love even toward those who hate you because that's what God's kids do I I have cards here you know I was going to pass these out to everybody and have you write on them and instead I'm going to put them back by the on the table in the back um What I encourage you to do is pick up one of these cards. It just says, hello. And then at the bottom it has people uh, talking on tin cans, it looks like, (laughs) with with hearts. What I would like you to do is write a note to somebody. Who? Anybody. Just write a note and say, I was just thinking about you, praying for you. I'm thankful you're in my life. You can say anything you want to say. You can say, you know, Tuesday, want to meet me at Chipotle's? You can say whatever you want to say. But, but here's this card. And I was going to make sure you had one in your hand so that you would feel motivated to do this but I'm not. I'm going to put it on the table and I'm going to encourage you to do it. And maybe there's three or four people you want to write to. You know, if we run out of cards, we can print some more. Take take a dozen. And you could write a note to a neighbor and just say, I don't often tell you this, but you're a good neighbor. I'm glad you're in my neighborhood and I'm praying for you. And just put your name on Who knows what God could do with a little note that you write to show love to somebody that God put in your path. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you that you are a God of love, that you are love. It's not just you know about it, you experience it, but you are love. God is love. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. and We thank you that you saved us. And we thank you that you care about the people in our path just like you care about us. And I pray that we would show your love and share your truth in a way that would please you. We also pray that it would impact the people around us. That you would use us to reach people for your honor, for your glory, to bear fruit. That is pleasing to you. And we thank you. On this Valentine's Day. That even though sometimes some people don't feel loved. They are desperately loved. By you. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. In Jesus name. For more information about Victory Baptist Church or trusting Christ as your Savior and following him, please visit our website at VictoryArizona.org or send an email to Victory at